0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want you to go with me today to uh, 2 Timothy. We're going to look in 2 Timothy, um, pastoral epistle by Paul, and um, I want to show you something that uh, is going to stir your faith today, but it blows people's minds that this is actually in the Bible. Literally, it blows people's minds that this is in the Bible. Second Timothy, and, uh chapter 4, oh, did I say chapter 4? Chapter 3. Listen to this. Now, this is Bible prophecy, by the way. We haven't rescheduled the camp meeting yet, Lenin, and it's coming soon. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, this is Bible prophecy. And if you look around at what's happened in the world, you can clearly, clearly see this as a prevalent thing in our generation more than any other time in the history of the world. And so I want you to see this. And we're dealing with today, as you saw on the title, we're dealing with the most dangerous type of Christians that you must avoid, that you've got to avoid. And people think when you say something like that, that you're heartless or that you're not walking in love or that you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to show you in just a second, Paul is the one who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this to the church so that we would have an understanding of how to conduct ourselves and what to do when there's people who are running around acting crazy. And we're living in a day of people running around acting crazy. Let's look at this, 2 Timothy chapter 3. The Bible says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self. And lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, not reckless love, just reckless. What's up, Mike? Swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Look at verse five, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. Paul wrote that by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, avoid such people. So I want to just break that down uh, for you. Because we're living in a day when these things are all coming to pass. We're seeing clearly. You know, one of the things that um, really sparks this in my spirit and my mind is that not only are we seeing these things in everyday society, in our churches, amongst people in the, in the, the faith, but we're also seeing people doing these things, but like without shame, like unashamedly doing these things. And as though it's like, it's all right. And one of the most demonic things that has ever hit the body of Christ is the hyper grace message. The hyper grace message, which teaches that your own personal actions don't matter, that it's not about what you do, it's all about what Christ did, all those types of things. And so when you see What Paul is saying, he's giving a warning. Now, let's look at the context of this. Paul, the spiritual father, is writing a letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, who's a pastor. And Timothy, the pastor over the flock, he's giving him instructions as to how he and the rest of the church should function and act when they see people who are acting in these ways. And so when you see it, It's interesting that he doesn't say anything else except avoid them. (laughs) He says, avoid them, avoid them. Look at, let's break it down. He said, number one, uh, people will be lovers of self. Lovers of self. If there was never a day like that before, we're definitely in that day now. Where more than ever before, people are lovers of themselves. I've seen some of the most incredibly self-serving things in this generation that I I can't even imagine happening in other generations. I mean, when you look at uh, reconstruction, I don't even want to say reconstruction, but cosmetic surgeries are through the roof. Think about this, that there are cosmetic surgeries that are going crazy in America, Europe, around the world. And people, because they're lovers of self. I mean, dude, people are willing to pay money. Billion, I just saw that about your mom. I'm going to con- continue to pray for your mother. Can you imagine people in this generation so into themselves that they want to, I mean, this is a real thing. People are having calf implants for their calves. My legs don't look good enough. I'm talking about guy. <laughs> there are men Think about this. There are men who are going and getting cosmetic surgeries. Forget breast implants. We're talking about calf implants for your legs. How as a man are you so in love with the look of your body that you have to spend money? Think about this. That you've got to spend thousands of dollars to have calf implants put into your legs. What is going on in the world? What is happening that full-grown men, (laughs) full-grown men are having like that's a real thing, Dennis. Calf implants. What's going on where women are going to get cosmetic surgeries for butt implants? Do we really need? a butt implant? Are we going to really put silicone pads in our butt cheeks? We have we're so involved with ourselves that we need silicone pads in our butt cheeks? I mean like it can't it cannot be any more plain than this. Paul said you'll see these people in the last days. There'll be lovers of themselves. I mean, we live in a selfie society. We're living in a selfie generation, a selfie culture. We live in a, in a filter culture. People can't even post a picture of themselves online. Think about this. <laughs> I'm just still laughing, man. This is like calf implants, butt implants. Carissa said they actually have a surgery where they take fat from your stomach and put it into your butt. I mean, what is going on? What is going on? You know, it's gone beyond, you know, it's gone beyond, you know, where people go bald and they have a surgery for, you know, to get hair back on their head, which I probably should do, shouldn't I? I mean, I've lost, I've lost my hair. So I should probably go, instead, I'm just going to buy a really cheap toupee and wear it everywhere. But I mean, there's, you know, people do that. They get, you know, hair implants or what, you know, whatever they're going to do. There's people, I know there's people that have done stuff to their nose. They're not happy with their nose. And do you see how it's just gotten progressively worse and worse and worse? You know, it starts with people that, uh, you know, they do, they got their hair done and then, you know, they go and they get Not the the nose shaved down a little bit. Well, I don't like the bridge of my nose. I don't like the bridge of my nose. And so we've got to shave the nose a little bit. And then people are like, well, my lips are too thin. I need to go get collagen in my my lips. I'm going to go get collagen one day and come on the broadcast. I'm going to come on the broadcast one day with collagen in my lips. I'll be coming in like this. Hold on. I can't even do it. Coming coming in with collagen. It's like, my, my my lips are too thin. I need collagen in my lips. People getting shots in their forehead, shots in their face. And it's like we we just we and you know, I understand self-respect and everything. It's like, bro, okay, but when you get to the place where where you're putting silicone in your legs, in your calves, when you're sucking fat out of your stomach to put it in your butt. What is going on in the world? What is going on in the world where where we love the look of ourselves so much? And I don't mean we should go around looking like bums. I don't mean we should go around representing the kingdom poorly. Where we always walking around in rags and we're, you know, always walking around, you know, no combed hair, no makeup. I'm not saying that, ladies. If the barn needs painting, paint the barn. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But how did we get to the place where we're lovers of ourselves so much that we're having someone suck fat out of our stomachs and shoot it into our butts? <laughs> it's we've, it's gone to another level in the world. It's gone to another level. And so Paul prophesied, he said, you'll see these people in the last days. They'll be lovers of, of themselves, lovers of themselves. And what else does it say? Not just lovers of themselves, lovers of money. You'll see people and we see them. They're in this generation. We we see them everywhere. People that are lovers of money. And what is that? People that are lovers of money, they're always doing something for more gain. You know, there's people that'll skip church so they can work another job so they can make more money. That's a sign of a love of money, that you put the acquisition of money above your dedication to the Lord. I mean, think about that. People that put more uh, work, dedication, faithfulness into the acquisition of money than they do seeking the face of God, lovers of money. And the Bible says that you can't love both God and money. Did you know that? You can't love both God and mammon, as the Bible says. You'll hate the one and love the other. You can't love both God and money. That's why the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say, now people misquote this all the time, it doesn't say money is the root of all evil. Money is literally just an inanimate object, it's a tool for whoever uh, has it and uses it. I've said this on the broadcast before. Um, you know, money doesn't change who you are, it just amplifies who you are. What do I mean by that? Well, if you were a little bit of a jerk before you had money, you're going to be a big jerk when you have money. Because when you didn't have money, you had to curb that jerkiness a little bit because you still needed the help of people around you. But when you get to the place where you don't need people's help because you've got way more than enough money, you'll become even more jerky than you were before. didn't change the fact that you've been a jerk the whole time. It just amplified what you already are. I'll say it again this way. If you were generous and loved to bless people before you got money, then when you get money, you're going to be a massive blessing to people. You know, if you did it, then you're going to really do it when money comes in, because it doesn't change who you are. It just amplifies who you are. And the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's why the Bible teaches that godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain. Contentment. Can I just say this? In our society, in our generation, contentment is not preached. It's not preached. And and Paul taught it to the church. You have to learn to be content with where God has placed you now. It's not the end. You're not done God's going to move you higher. You're going to go further. There's more to your life than right now. But right now, be content with where you are. Do you know why that as we've talked about on multiple broadcasts, and I've had Nick give us the statistics, Nick Greenwald, that, you know, what was it like 50% or more of of all Americans are going paycheck to paycheck. 40% of Americans have $16,000 or more of credit card debt. You know why they have it? It's not because they're, it's not only because the majority of people in America lack self control and don't have, uh, you know, proper disciplines in their finances. It's because they, they don't have contentment. That's why they do it. It's, it's because they don't have contentment. They're not happy unless they own that next new thing. They think if they have the next new car, the next new computer, the next new phone, the next new watch, the next new jewelry, whatever, the next new clothes, the next new shoes, that that's going to make them happy. They're not happy and content with where they are right now. And that is a dangerous pattern to put yourself in. That you cannot ever be content with what you have and where you are. That you always have to run out. And then because they don't have the ability to do it cash... They have to charge it on a credit card. And so because they don't have contentment, they're out there because they have to please other people, which is truly just pride. Think about this. Look at that. As of last year, Dennis said four out of five Americans live paycheck to paycheck as of 2019. So it's a dangerous place to be because you're not happy because you feel like I've got to impress others around me. That's pride. And you say, well, because I've got to impress others, I've got to keep up with my neighbors. I'm going to go buy the new watch. I'm going to go buy the new car. I'm going to go buy the new uh, computer and the new phone and the new clothes and the new shoes. Think about that. And because you're living like that as a state of pride, contentment means I don't need any new thing to be happy. Think about that. I don't need any new thing to be happy. I don't have to have the new Apple watch to be happy. I don't have to have a brand new iPhone to be happy. I don't have my happiness is coming from within my salvation. It's the joy of my salvation. It is my relationship with Christ and the peace that I have in God that drives my happiness. Now, all those things, I'm for them all. You can be blessed. You can abound. You can be prosperous. You can walk in more than enough. But those things are not the source of my joy nor my peace. Did you know that they've actually proven this? I want you to think about this. They've actually proven this, that uh, having more money doesn't make anybody happy after a certain point. So let me explain what I I mean by that. And um, this blew my, I put it, I put the actual article in one of my broadcasts. You'd have to go back and look, look at it. But the actual article, this is the study that they found that once you get to a certain point of income in your life and what was the point the point of income where your needs are met your bills are paid you have a you know a roof over your head shelter you're not lacking you're not in poverty level you're not your your kids aren't going without food and clothing and you know but they said once you get to the place where you have enough and your needs are met they said what they've done studies that beyond that point people who have much more money than that point aren't happier overall than the people that don't have that money. Do you, do you know how I know that's the true, that that's true? Listen to that, the law of marginal utility in economics. Now think, think about this, because one of the things that you have to remember is there are people who are wealthy, that are rich, that are still committing suicide, Still aren't happy with their marriages. Still aren't happy with their lifestyle. Still not happy with their jobs. And so they've got... There are multi... I mean, look at the stories. Look at the stories of like Robin Williams. Look at the story of um, Anthony Bourdain. These guys, multi, multi, multi-millionaires, have the best of everything. Travel the world. Everyone knows their name. They've got fame. They've got fortune. They're going everywhere. And still kill themselves why well they they should, should if that's the key shouldn't they be the happiest people in the world as multi multi-millionaires with fame with fortune the ability to travel the world fly on private jets eat at the nicest restaurants go to the nicest beaches shouldn't they be if that was the standard shouldn't they be the happiest people in the world no but they know and society knows it's not the key to happiness and so when people have a love of money, they're running after something and killing themselves for something that can't even please them, that can't even fulfill them. That's why the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Because uh, when you think, see, that's the difference. That's the difference between uh, what the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 22, verses man's attempt to get wealth and riches. The Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow unto it. Think about that for a minute. It's the blessing of the Lord. See, because when people want to come and debate me on this, because I do preach on prosperity, I do preach on abundance, I do believe in the financial blessing of God for the believer, I do believe in the covenant of seed time and harvest, I absolutely believe in all those things to the nth degree. But then, you know what, people come up to me and say, well, brother, you think that's a sign of godliness, then how come all these sinners are out here and they're, they're, uh, they're richer than Christians and they're the ones serving the Lord, but the sinners have more money than some Christians do. I'm not saying that having money makes you holy. It absolutely doesn't make you holy. In fact, you can get money without doing anything holy. You can be a great and very, very successful drug dealer and have tons and tons of money. Did you know, you talk about money, did you know that Pablo Escobar, by the end of his career as as a, a, a cartel leader, did you know they had warehouses and warehouses full of cash, so much so that they had to throw away, think about this, do the research for yourself, they had to throw away millions of dollars a day Because in their warehouses, the money was rotting. That's how much they had in there. The money was rotting and being destroyed. They'd have to throw out out cartons of money daily. That's how much money they had. Well, was he a holy man of God? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So you can have money and not be holy. You can have money and not be happy. You can have money and not be godly. And so I want you to understand this. It's not about the money. It's about how you get the blessing. It's about how you get the blessing. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. That's why when you look at somebody that wins the lottery, you wonder why the average person who wins the the mega millions, that within a year they're bankrupt, they're drug addicted, and their families won't speak to them. Why? Because they got to a place by luck that their character couldn't keep them. And so having that influx come into their life actually destroyed them. It didn't help them. And so it has nothing to do with the, with the actual money. Money's just a tool. But in the last days, there would be lovers of money. Think about that. I want you to put it in the comments. It's about how we get the blessing. It's not about the blessing. It's about how we get the blessing. Put that in the comment section and don't ever forget it. It's not about the blessing. It's about how we get it. It's not about the finances. It's about how they come. The Bible says, not just lovers of self, not just lovers of money, proud. Man, we are living in that day. Pride abounds in our society. Pride, you know how I know that it does? You know how I know pride abounds in our society? Because we live in outrage culture, offense culture. It takes pride to be offended. It takes a level of pride to be offended. In the new book, Further Faster, one of the things I heavily encourage people to do to walk in victory is to refuse to let yourself become offended by something someone did, said, whatever. Offense. It takes takes pride to walk in offense. Remember that. Well, I can't believe he would say that about. Me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over there and give him a piece of my mind. How dare he say that about me? The only reason you get like that is because of pride. If you walk in humility, if you walk in meekness, you really don't care what anybody else says about you. Can't offend me because I really don't care. My, 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 the hair on my back doesn't stand up because somebody said something about me and they're gonna get a piece of my mind. I might smack you in the face. Nope takes pride to walk in offense, And I'm not going to be offended. I don't care what people say about me because I know who I am in Christ. You understand? I know who I am in Christ. So because I know who I am in Christ, I don't need the affirmation of somebody else. I don't need the acceptance of somebody else. I don't need them to say nice things about me. It's nice if they do. If they say mean things about me, if they say slanderous things about me, it's not going to make me upset. I'll still come home here to my house, enjoy my time with my family, go out back and lay in the pool and just be blessed. I don't care. And you shouldn't care. You shouldn't care at all. It takes pride to be offended. It takes pride to be offended. And the Bible says that we will have a culture of people that will be proud and arrogant. Proud and arrogant. That's right now. You can't tell anybody anything without people being offended in 2020. You could walk up, think about this, you could walk up, I've never seen this happen before like it is now. You can actually walk up and give somebody a compliment and with the culture we're living in, they take that compliment and flip it and turn it into an insult. I've never seen this. I've never seen this. You could walk up to somebody and say, hey, you look really nice today. And with their little offended spirit, like, what are you trying to say? I don't look nice every day. You think I look horrible every other day? Why are you trying to point me out today? Like literally, there's people that will take a compliment and flip it into an insult because there's so much in this outrage culture, this offended culture. It's pride. It's pride and it's arrogance. It's pride and it's arrogance. If you don't, if you don't believe me, I mean, you know why? They're pumping it into our culture. They're pumping it into our culture you don't believe me go watch reruns of real housewives episodes from any city in america that you want to watch them real housewives of orange county new jersey atlanta wherever they're at watch them all if you don't think they're pumping that culture into our society through television through netflix through you know the internet they're pumping it in pumping it in yeah exactly aj oh you're losing some weight you're looking good oh you think i was fat You think I was fat before, is that what you're trying to say? It's like, listen, seriously, take the compliment, say thank you, and keep moving. And they're pumping arrogance. And and you know why? They're trying, and I don't even know if this is a word, but I'm going to make it up right now. They're celebritizing it. Is that a word? (laughs) They're Kardashians And, and, and the real housewives and all this, all the way back. They're celebritizing it. I don't know if that's a word. I just made a word up. Somebody call Webster's and and get it added into the dictionary. They're celebritizing it. There's probably a better word to use. I I just don't know what it is off the top of my head. They're celebritizing it. Somebody put hashtag celebritize. (laughs) Hashtag celebritize. They are celebrating this attitude. They are promoting This attitude, they're promoting this little, uh, diva prima donna, you know, I'm telling you, (laughs) celebritizing. It's exactly what they're doing. They're celebritizing it. It's in the, it's in the urban dictionary. Wow. Wow. Hashtag celebritize. It's exactly what they're doing. Go watch real housewives and see how these people act. Go see how these people act. How they're so appalled that anybody would ever say anything to them. You know, whatever. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. We live in a proud and an arrogant society. And, and and the Holy Ghost said through the Apostle Paul, don't be like that. Don't be like those that you see that celebritize. Yeah, along with racism, everything else. Everything else. Everything else. Racism is a form of extreme pride extreme pride. Well, we're better than they are. We're, we're better than them because we're this racism. It's pride. It's a sin. God hates it. God hates it. God hates it. If you read first uh, John chapter four, the Bible says anyone who says they love God and hates their brother is a liar. They are a liar. You can't love God and hate your brother. No matter what skin color they are, no matter what level of economics they operate in, doesn't matter which side of the tracks they grew up on, you can't say you love God and hate your brother. It makes you a liar. And there's a lot of liars walking around the earth today that act like they're so holy and go to church on a weekly basis, but they still don't like somebody because they're black or because they're Mexican or because they're Latin American or because they're from another nation or because they're not as rich as them or because they grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. They don't vote the right way. They don't drive the right car. And so I don't really like them. It's a liar. That's somebody who's a liar. Say you love God, but you don't like your brother. You won't walk in love towards somebody because of who they are, what they do, where they're from. It doesn't matter. It makes you a liar. And I call people out. I was talking to somebody yesterday. They said it needs to be talked about more in church. I totally agree. That's why often I'll preach on, uh, on racism. And so does my father. And that's where I got it from. Or because they're white. That's right. It doesn't matter what color they are. There's people that hate white people. Racism walks both sides of the street. Both sides of the street. I had a guy get mad at me because I said the same demonic thought process that's in the Ku Klux Klan is in the Black Panthers. The both both of them walk in hate. Both of them are stupid. Absolutely stupid. And so people get mad about it? Let them get mad. Racism's a sin hating people because of the color of their skin or their where it's a sin. It's a sin and, and church needs to wake up. If they think it's not happening in the church, they need to wake up. Let me, let me tell you one thing cause I'm dealing with, I'm not, I've not gone off topic. I'm talking about proud and arrogant, proud and arrogant. Racism comes from pride and arrogance. Let me tell you something. There's no such thing as a white church. White church is a stupid thing. There's no such thing as a black church. If you go somewhere and they say, well, this is a black church, that ain't a church of God. It's not a church where the Holy Ghost moves because God didn't start white churches and God didn't start black churches and God didn't start Brazilian churches and God didn't start Puerto Rican churches. The Holy Ghost draws all men to Jesus. Ain't no such thing as a little Jamaican church. If you come into this nation or any other nation and you try to limit who comes to your church based on the culture of who you are, then you have completely ignored, completely ignored the Great Commission. And you might as well go up into heaven and slap Jesus in the face because he didn't shed his blood for Jamaicans. He didn't shed his blood for black people, white people, Puerto Ricans, Latin Americans. Didn't shed his blood for Brazilians. He shed his blood for all men and all women. And if I come into a church and I see every single person in the church is black, there's a problem. If I come into a church and every single person in the church is white, there's a problem. If I go into a Puerto Rican church and a Brazilian church and everybody in the church is Puerto Rican and everybody's Brazilian, there's a problem because you're not called to just reach people that are from your racial or ethnicity, your racial group or your ethnicity. You're not called to do that. You're not called to do that. Reach the world. What are you telling me? I mean, it blows my mind. What are you telling me? See, because the reason we have churches like this, and let me me be very honest with you today, and if people get mad and write me letters, so be it, because I really don't care. I really don't care. The reason we have Jamaican churches, and the reason we have Puerto Rican churches, and the reason we have Brazilian churches, and the reason we have black churches, is because people care more about supporting their culture than they do about supporting the word of God. Now I put a smile on my face and say, let that soak in. Let that soak in. Well, this is the way we've always done it at the Puerto Rican church. This is the way we've always done it at the black church. This is the way we always done it at the white church. You love your culture more than you love the Lord. It's always, I mean, and I, listen, let me preface all this by saying, I get, I get that people should never be ashamed of the color of their skin. You shouldn't have to be ashamed that you're white. You shouldn't have to be ashamed that you're black. You shouldn't have to be ashamed that you're Latin American. You shouldn't have to be ashamed that you're Brazilian, Puerto Rican. from you know, Like Lettys from Ur- Uruguay. You shouldn't have to be ashamed of that. Of course not. There's no shame in where you're from. There's no shame in the color of your skin. Of course there's not. That's stupid. But we get so flip-sided on that. That we have to come out with pride now. Well, I talk about, oh yeah, this is Black Pride Month. This is Puerto Rican pride. I got my Jamaican pride. I got my Brazilian pride. You know, the only time it gets to be a problem is when people come out with white pride. More interested in pushing their culture than they are preaching the word of God. That stuff might be fine for sinners. It's not okay for Christians. It's not okay for Christians. It's not okay. If you do that, If you support your culture over the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God, you're not a part of the kingdom because the Bible teaches that we leave everything, we leave everything to follow Jesus. He said, people that aren't worthy to leave their own families to follow me aren't worthy of the kingdom. He said, let the dead, don't go even back for the funeral. Let the dead bury their dead and follow me. If you're not willing to leave father, mother, sister, brother, and follow me, then you are not worthy of the kingdom. You're not worthy of it. Let alone your ethnicity, your race. See, because the Bible says, in Christ, there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no male, there is no female. So there's no room for the, the feminism movement in the kingdom of God. There's no room for it. There's no room for... uh. White pride, black pride, Jamaican pride, Puerto Rican pride in the kingdom of God. Because if you understand what the Bible says, that there is no Jew and there is no Greek, meaning that God doesn't look at that when he's deciding who he's going to bless. God doesn't bless you because you're Jamaican. God doesn't bless you because you're Brazilian. Doesn't bless you because you're black. Doesn't bless you because you're African. And he definitely doesn't bless you because you're white. He blesses people because they obey his word obedience is the only prerequisite to the blessings of God. That's it. Doesn't matter what nation you're from. Doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter who who your family is. None of that matters in God. Doesn't matter. I'm black Pride. There's a black church. There's a white church. I've been in churches that are such white churches and such black churches that they ask people that aren't black or white to leave and go to their own church. Think of how sad that is. Think of how sad it is that you can have a white church, a white church, where if a black person comes into worship there, the ushers are, have been told to ask them, well, we'd prefer it if you would just go to your own church. What does that mean? What does go to my own church mean? I thought if I was in the kingdom, I'm part of the church. If I'm part of the church at large, I should be able to worship at any church, How can I come in if I'm a white person coming to a black church? Is it, how come you're not going to your church? What does that mean? What does it mean? I should have to go to a white church because my skin is white. I thought I was part of the church. And if I'm part of the church, then how is it that I'm getting told to leave a church because of the color of my skin? It's demonic, it's hateful, it's demons in skin walking around calling themselves ushers and acting like people are less or shouldn't be in a place because of the color of their skin. And it's the devil at work in the body of Christ and Paul is addressing it. And he said, avoid those kind of people. Turn away from them. Turn away from them. Don't have anything to do with them. Don't even eat with people like that. Don't even eat with people like that. You understand? I mean, this is how stupid it is. This this is how stupid it is. Think about this. Your ears and your eardrums are built to hear and to transmit the things you hear to the brain. Both are parts of your body. But think of how stupid it would be if your ears said, Oh, we hear fine, but we're not going to transmit that data to the brain because the brain's not an ear like us. If the brain was an ear like we're ears, we would tell it what we heard, but because it's not an ear and it's a different looking part of the body, we're not going to tell it what we heard. Stupid. Your whole body would fall apart and wouldn't function. Wouldn't function. Your mouth is chewing up food. You're eating your dinner. But then your mouth refuses to swallow to give that food to the stomach. Well, I I would give the food to the stomach, but the stomach's not a mouth like me. So because the stomach's not a mouth like me, I'm not giving it the food because it's not like me. And that's what they're doing in the body of Christ. That's exactly what they're doing. I'm not going to stand in faith for her. I'm not going to pray for him. I'm not going to let them worship with me because they don't look like me. This is a black church. This is a white church. This is a Puerto Rican church. This is a Brazilian church. And really what it is, is a dead church with people who, if they don't get their act together, will find themselves on the way to hell, not heaven. You will, in case you don't get how severe this is or what I'm truly trying to say, if you operate in hate and racism towards your brother, you will go to hell. You'll split hell wide open and the devil will suck you down into the eternal flames of judgment because you hated your brother based upon something on their body, in their finances, where they grew up. Kingdom over culture. I want you to put it in the, I want you to put it into the comment section. Kingdom over culture. Kingdom over culture. It's not a black church, it's a dead church. It's not a white church, it's a dead church. It's not a Puerto Rican church, it's a dead church. I don't care how much you shout, scream. I don't care how much, how great your worship is. I don't care how many people dance around in the aisles. It's not a church if you limit who can be there. Kingdom over culture. Kingdom over culture. I don't have to go around and talk about how proud I am to be a white man. Think how stupid that would be. I mean, think of how stupid it would be for me to go out. I just want everybody to know. I'm coming out of the closet today. I am proud to be a heterosexual man that has heterosexual sex. How stupid is that? How small are you if you have to limit yourself to what kind of sex you like? and That's your pride month. Stupid. People are stupid if that's what they base their identity on absolutely stupid I just want to say I'm a proud black man okay why don't you just be happy that you're saved notice that you know because yeah and have a parade notice that notice that nobody can say that it it's, isn't it interesting to you that we can only pick and choose who's allowed to say those things we, we preach and scream diversity We preach and scream diversity, but then we limit who can actually say diverse things. Imagine the uproar there would be if people started marching on the streets We're proud white people, proud white people. Think of the uproar. It'd be all over the news. People would be ticked off. People would be angry around the country because there's a group of people that went out and started declaring we're proud white people. It'd be everywhere. But when we have a Black Pride Month, Everybody just applauds. If we talk about Puerto Rican pride, Jamaican pride, African pride, Brazilian pride, it's just a way to separate us. It's not a way to bring us together. Well, no, it's a way to highlight, you know, brother. It's a way to highlight, you know, different cultures. No, it's not. It's a way to separate ourselves. I love what my dad has preached for years. I don't have white friends. I don't have black friends. I don't have Puerto Rican friends. I don't have Brazilian friends. I only have friends. I don't have to label you as my, what am I trying to check off a list that I have somewhere? Oh, you know, I got to make a couple black friends so that I have a black friend. I need to have a token black friend. I need to have a Puerto Rican friend so everybody can see me that I'm a diverse man. Stupid. It's stupid. And people have acted like it's, it's a great thing to have your pride of your race and your culture. Of course, you shouldn't be ashamed of who you are. But at the same time, if you're a Christian, there's no room for that. Do you know what Peter said this? I mean, Peter, the apostle taught this. He actually went the first family outside of Jews that got the gospel were Italians. It was Cornelius's household. They were Italian. And Peter went there, preached the gospel and other uh, Jewish believers were with him. And while he was preaching the gospel, the whole household of Cornelius got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And they said, man, they're getting the same things we got on the day of Pentecost. And Peter lifted up his voice in Acts 10, 34, and he said, I can clearly see that God is no respecter of persons. God does not show partiality. That's what Peter said. That's what Peter said. You know, I'm so sick of people getting on television, all these stupid, I mean, they're stupid Race relation lobbyists say, well, we don't have to pretend that we're colorblind. You know, we don't have to pretend that we're colorblind. I can see what color you are, but it doesn't matter to me. That's truly what colorblind is. It's not that I can't tell what color you are, dummy. It means it doesn't matter to me. You think, I mean, think about how stupid people are. Do you think it matters to me if I'm holding a revival? And I've got people coming through the line to be prayed for to receive healing. Do you think that I look at every person? I mean, think about how dumb. It's like, no, I'm colorblind, brother. I just play. No, you think people come through and, oh, here's a white guy. So I'm really, really going to lay into this prayer. Oh, God, touch this man. He's white. Really blessed. And then you got somebody comes through that's black, African-American, whatever you want to say. Not African. I've been to Africa more times than you have. And so you 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 think that a black man's going to come through the prayer line or a black woman and I'm going to just give a half-hearted prayer cuz I saw the color of their skin. Anybody that does that is on their way to hell. <clears throat> They're on their way to hell. Hell will open and they will go. You've got no part in the kingdom of God, you've got no part in heaven. That's hate. That's partiality. Do not show partiality because of someone's skin color or anything else. It's just stupid. Well, we don't have to pretend we're colorblind. (laughs) I'm so sick of hearing stupid lobbyists say stupid stuff like that. We don't have to pretend we're colorblind. I can see the color of your skin, you dummy. It just doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything to me at all. At all. I mean, how shallow can people be? How dumb can people be and still breathe? air into their lungs. (laughs) Nikki said, I don't take any offense to that. There's no African in my American. (laughs) I'm telling you. And I understand that there, this is not me denying that there is racism. Of course there's racism. I'm saying it's a wicked sin. And I say that because, well, obviously it is brother. Well, yeah. How come you've got Christians that act like it's not and Christians that still do it and have white churches and have black churches. That's just as racist. Well, brother, we cater to a black church here. This is a white church. We have white worship. What is white worship? What is white worship? Does that mean you have an acoustic guitar whereas black churches have a ham and organ? What is white worship? What is black worship? I don't know what that means. Are there colors on the songs you sing? Are there colors on the songs you sing? What does it mean to have a white church, black church? We do white white worship here. We do black worship. So here's the problem. Can I tell you what the true problem is? I'll tell you a great man of God I heard say this, and I'll, I'll remember it for the rest of my life. Um, Bishop Kevin Wallace in Chattanooga, Tennessee, he said the problem with many Christians is that they're out there, especially pastors, and they're fishers of men, but the problem is they're fishing with poles and with bait. And so they've got the kind of bait on the hook that they want to use to catch the kind of men they want in their churches. So there's pastors fishing with white bait because they want white fish. There's pastors fishing with black bait because they want black fish. There's pastors fishing with Puerto Rican bait because they want Puerto Rican fish. And so they're fishing with a pole and with bait so that they can choose the kind of fish they want to catch. But when you fish with Jesus, he doesn't fish with a pole and he doesn't fish with bait. When you fish with Jesus, he fishes with a net. And when you drag a net, you catch everything that jumps in the net. Black fish, white fish, Puerto Rican fish, Jamaican fish, African fish, Brazilian fish, dirty old boots. You get everything that gets in the net. You don't pick and choose what you catch. You don't pick and choose the bait you throw. You just drag the net. And the gospel of love is the gospel that will drag a net. And anything that gets caught in the net is what's coming into the kingdom and what's being established in the church. And it needs to be said. Jesus doesn't fish with a pole. Jesus fishes with a net. Fishes with a net. Draws all men. Draws all men. And so it needs to be said. needs to be addressed because that's pride and it's arrogance. According to scripture, it's pride and it is arrogance. Let me go further. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost today and I'm not ashamed to tell you this stuff because it needs to be said in America. No question. Not only would they be proud and arrogant, abusive. Seeing it all over the place. Human trafficking, domestic abuse, violence, murder. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. I've never seen more of this than I see today. Some of y'all were raised like I was raised, where you don't act up and talk back to your parents, or you got it coming. I'll be at stores. I mean, we're living in a day where children are so disobedient to their parents that their parents are walking them around in the mall with a leash on, a leash, my friends. It would be a cold day in hell before my father would have had to put a leash on my back for me to obey what he said. He had a voice, he had a look, and those two had enough authority to guide my path. All he had to say was, hey, be quiet. I was quiet. Hey, get over here. I was here. He could be preaching in the middle of a church service and I'd be acting up in the pew in the middle of the church. He could break from a point of preaching and shoot me a look and say, sit up. And boy, I felt the authority hit me. I didn't need a leash. I didn't need a timeout. I didn't just, well, no no more iPad for you if you do there's authority. And I've never seen a day like we're seeing today with children disobedient to their parents. My wife was at the mall, at the store, and a little girl in a tutu that was probably four years old. Tutu! Supposed to be a little princess. Screaming at her mom, "I want that toy! I want that toy! Get me that!" And she said, "Honey, we're not getting you that toy today. We're not going to get a toy." And then she knelt down to tell her uh, her daughter, I'm, "I told you, I'm not getting you that toy today." And that little four year old girl in a tutu reached back and smacked the fire out of her mother's face. Oh my Lord Jesus! Oh Jesus! My wife went into praying in tongues. She went into flashbacks from her own childhood. Oh, Jesus, touch the girl right now. Don't let her die, Lord God. I can't even imagine. If I saw a four-year-old girl slap their parent in the face, I would feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost in my own heart. (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus, don't let her die. I can't imagine, let alone talking back, I can't imagine smacking one of my parents in the face. You know what I've been preaching to you here today on the broadcast? If I'd have done that as a kid, you would have just seen a tombstone right here. Here lies Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Slapped his parents in the face in 1986 and went home to be with the Lord. (laughs) Unbelievable. Disobedient to their parents. It's the end times. It's the last day the tombstone preaching to you today, my friends. I would, they would have sent me to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I don't, I don't hear anybody. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. I mean, think about the ungrateful generation we live in. Ungrateful and entitled. We're there. Unholy. Do you know people are bragging? People are bragging about their unholiness on Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok everything. People are bragging on Instagram about their unholiness, posting the pictures of their binge and their night out at the club the night before, before they go to church the next morning. They, they post their Saturday night before they come to church hungover Sunday morning. People are not ashamed of being unholy. They're posting and bragging about their unholiness. Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. I could talk about slanderous, Lynn said, my mom would have killed me. My dad raised me from the dead and then killed me again. (laughs) I'm happy. Can I just say something publicly? I'm happy that I was spanked as a child. Very, very happy. Because let me tell you something. I needed it. I needed it. And I'm thankful that I had parents that were godly enough to do it. You're not talking to a guy today, well, I'm so upset because my father was in the ministry and his ministry took him away from me and now I don't know how I feel about God and I don't know how I feel about church and I resent the anointing. You're not talking today to some little punk that was somehow, you know, offended by the way their parents were in the ministry. I had good parents that spanked me when I needed it and I did need it. And I'm so much better today that because they did lay down the discipline that they did, like the Bible says to do, then put me in timeout. My friends, I grew up Pentecostal. I don't know what timeout means. I don't know what timeout means. I remember seeing a friend of mine when I was a kid get timeout. And my eyes were like opened. I was like, what is this? magical thing called timeout what because I was waiting for the kid to get spanked I was like this kid's gonna get spanked my friend is cruising for a bruising and the parent said go to timeout and I said what is timeout this miraculous place called timeout I went to check it out to see what it looked like. I was sure there was going to be like fairies and fruit and, and, and dragons. And, you know, it was like, it was like a. Uh, I was like time out. I peeked around the corner. I said, what is timeout? What land is this you speak of? I looked around the corner. He was just sitting on the stairs looking at the wall. I said, what is that? I tried to suggest that punishment at my house. I said, dad, you should put me in timeout. He spanked me. Don't you ever suggest timeout to me again. No, he didn't really spank me. But can you imagine? I grew up Pentecostal, my friends. I don't know what timeout means. I thought that was something in a basketball game. I didn't know anything about a kid getting timeout for being bad. I don't know what that is. That's not in the Bible. (laughs) If you'll put them in timeout, (laughs) when when they grow old, they'll not depart from it. Unholy, ungrateful, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. There's people that are slandering other people and not thinking twice about it on social media, behind their back, to their face, slanderous people. They don't care what they say about other people. Forget that the Bible says that only in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. It says, don't even bring an accusation unless you got two or three eyewitnesses that know it was true. Never mind that the Bible says if you have something against your brother, go to them privately and talk about it. And if they don't receive you, go back again with another brother that's a witness and try to talk to them again to restore your friendship. And if they still won't receive you, then get spiritual leadership involved. Never says slander them on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and, and Snapchat and TikTok and MySpace and Friendster and you know Tinder and Grindr. Doesn't say anything about that. It says go to them privately, walk in love. But no, we got slanderous people today, slanderous. Without self-control, brutal, not loving good. Treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Let me hit that for a second. People would rather be on the lake if it's a nice day than in the house of God. They'd rather be at the camp, in the lake house, out on their boat, on the golf course, travel baseball. They'd rather do something else other than putting God first. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Paul prophesied that it would take place. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Well, it's such a nice day outside. You know, we could really go to church next week. Let's hit the lake. Let's get the jet skis out. Let's get on the boat. Let's go do this. Let's go. You know what let's do? Let's go up here and... Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, teaching their children that church really isn't that important, that going to the house of God really isn't that important. And when the kids grow older, that will be imprinted in their spirit and they'll remember, well, you know, dad, dad, mom didn't always go to church every single Sunday. I mean, if it was a nice day, you know, we'd spend time. I think God would like us to spend time with our families, not on his time, not on his time. Not on his time. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not even going to get into that, Nick. Let me finish here, because this is important. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power of godliness. So there is, think about this, there are a group of people, or I should say there are people, there is a group of people that call themselves righteous, call themselves holy. They act like they're godly, but they deny God's power. Well, we don't want the Holy Ghost in manifestation. We don't want to lay hands on the sick. We don't want to lay hands on anybody. That's not really for church. That's more for small groups. We don't want to see anybody baptized in the Holy Ghost. We don't want speaking in tongues. If you think I'm making stuff up, there are churches and pastors that are supposed to be full gospel that say these things. They say these things. Well, brother, we don't really want to. They're wondering why the average church in America has less than 60 people in it. Because you won't do it the New Testament way. And if you don't do it the New Testament way, God's not, uh, he doesn't have to come and grow the church. The church is the Lord's. You do it his way. It's a book of instructions, not suggestions. Do it his way. Well, brother, we don't really want to do that. We feel like it makes people uncomfortable. Good. Let them be uncomfortable. Let them be. Many of them need to be uncomfortable. How do you come sit in a church living a life of sin and the pastor does everything he can to make you comfortable? You shouldn't be comfortable living in a life of sin. If you come into a church, your spirit should get very uncomfortable, and you should feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost and feel the pull towards Christ and the onus to change. Not sit there and be comfortable—that's ridiculous. Absolutely. Well, brother, we want them to come and have a fulfilling experience. The fulfilling experience is getting free from sin, not coming for a year. Uh, you know, and a year later they're still in the same sin they were when they when they started coming a year ago. It's ridiculous absolutely stupid. They've got a form of godliness and they deny the power. There's many that are driven by money. They need butts in the seats because they need their bills paid. And as a result, they are slaves to filling the building because they've overextended themselves and did stuff God never told them to do. And now they have to have people in the building to pay those bills or else it's going to shut down. So they're now a slave. They have to say what appeases the people rather than what God's word says. If you don't know that that's true, take a look at American churches today, European churches today, Canadian churches today. The full gospel church in Canada was in such problem and such trouble. The largest Pentecostal denomination in Canada, they actually had to send elders through the nation to visit these churches to make sure they were still operating in Pentecostal doctrines and distinctives. What's going on? Are you still baptizing people in water? Are you still having altar calls? Are people still being saved? Do you still pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What are you doing? How are you posting no salvations after a 12-month period? How are you having no baptisms in, in water? Not in the Holy Ghost, in water. You know, you don't even have to have faith to baptize somebody in water. you got to have faith to see somebody get filled with the Holy Ghost. But all you're doing is dunking somebody. I mean, like, Why are there no salvations posted? Why are there no baptisms in water? Why is there no baptism in the Holy Ghost? Why are there no healings being reported? And had to send elders out from the headquarters to visit these churches and say, hey, what's going on? What's going on in these churches? It's just as bad in America. It's just as bad in Europe. There's churches that are shrinking, not because God's church is in trouble, but because people have a form of godliness and deny his power. Stop denying the power of God. I mean, if you go to the end, look what Paul wrote. I mean, we we could I could get in I could go deep on this and show you what Paul wrote to these churches. But when you come to the end, let's let's go for example, the church in Thessaly, or Thessalonica, if you're that that guy. Um, listen to this, First Thessalonians 5, 16, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Well, we don't really do prophecies in our church, brother, because we don't really believe in the office of the prophet anymore. Uh, We're very, very, very careful about the prophecies that we allow to go forward. Uh, And no one's allowed to give a word in tongues in our church unless they first submit that uh, to the pastor on paper. There's churches that do that. What am I supposed to write on paper, you genius? Am I supposed to sit down at my desk with a pen and a pad and write shabokoso rosto kibe rokotobi and submit that to the pastor? Say, "Hey, I had a word in tongues while I was at home today. Thought I'd give you the word in the-. What a bunch of geniuses. What a bunch of freaking geniuses. Well, we don't really allow words in the Holy Ghost in our church unless it's submitted to the pastor first and he gets to take a look at it. And once he's taken a look at it, it's like you genius. No, no wonder your church is going under and should go under and should disperse to other churches and you shouldn't be a shepherd. When you've got that level of spiritual retardation, you want I wonder why it's not working. I wonder how come the power of God doesn't move. Because you think God's going to submit a purchase report to you every time he wants to do something? Give me a break. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Don't despise prophecies. Don't despise prophecies. If the Holy Ghost is speaking, it's his church. Let him speak. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, let me, let me say something. I, I love something Brother Hagin said one time. I was listening to my friend, uh, my brother Tony Jones in California, who was part of Brother Hagin's Rama Singers and Band. And he was interviewing another former Rama Singers and Band member. And uh, the man stepped forward and he gave what he felt was a word and gave um, you know an encouragement during the praise and worship service. It was an exhortation. And then when Brother Hagin took the microphone, he took it and publicly corrected that man that was on his team. He said, now, I know you just gave this exhortation and, and what it was to give you the context. Um, he just quoted the scripture from the Old Testament. He said, I look under the hills from whence cometh my help, from my help cometh from the Lord. And when Brother Hagin took the microphone, he said, now, let me just correct you there, brother. I'm not looking under the hills. My help doesn't come from the hills. That's Old Testament. Now the Holy Spirit dwells in me. My help is inside of me. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. I'm not looking under the hills. I'm not waiting for the Calvary to come. The power of God is in me as a believer. And so he corrected it. And so after the service, uh, my brother was, you know, a little bit, obviously you're going to be shaken if you're corrected publicly by Brother Hagin or by anybody, But the, but the man said to him and brother Hagen said to the man, he said, listen, if you feel the Lord has given you a word, step out and give it. He said, don't be afraid, step out and give it. And then he said this, which I thought was genius. And I love what pastor Kim Gibb is saying. He said this to him. He said, there's nothing you can do on this platform that I can't correct. He said, you're never going to destroy the service. You're never going to destroy the move of the Holy ghost. He said, if you feel God's leading you, step out and do it. And he said, and if it's, and, and if it's off, you're in you're a place where, where it's off like tonight. He said, I'll correct it. He said, there's nothing you can do on this platform that I can't correct. And that's what good le- leadership is able to do. Good leadership that has authority, that has wisdom, can step in and in love, correct what's being done, correct what's being said. I've done it before. I've had to do it many times. Where somebody's in the wrong place in the service, you know, we're operating, but people are doing the wrong, uh, the wrong thing at the wrong time. You know, I've seen my father do it. That we're we're believing God for creative miracles, we're laying hands on the sick. And somebody gets up and starts trying to give a word in tongues. Hold on, hold that. We're not against tongues, we're not against a word in tongues, but that's not for right now. The Holy Spirit's not double-minded. He's not trying to do two things that contradict each other at the same time the gift of the spirit that's needed in this moment is not tongues and interpretation it's the working of miracles this is what the holy ghost is doing it's the working of miracles so people they 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 get this they get stirred up in their in their spirit and they feel the holy ghost and they jump out at the wrong time and they don't hold that the spirit is subject to the prophet they don't hold it for the right time so you can do the right thing at the wrong time and he said, There's nothing you can do that I can't correct. I've had to do it multiple times, multiple times. And things were not right and things were wrong. I've had to correct it. I've had to correct things people said from the platform. I've had to correct things the worship team did. I've had to correct all kinds of things. But it, it doesn't, the Holy Ghost is not going to see that imperfection and say, Well, I'm leaving this service and I'm never coming back. He loves you. He wants to help you. He wants to heal you. He wants to draw people to Jesus. He's not giving up on you because you made one mistake. And so there's nothing uh, that you can do. Brother Hagin said that I can't correct and bring it back onto the right track. And see, that's the key. Let let me just say this before I pray for you. I would rather, I would rather, a hundred times out of a hundred, I would rather take a step of faith and step out and do something and be wrong than I would never step out because I'm afraid I could be wrong. Let me say that again in case you didn't hear what I said. I would rather a hundred times out of a hundred, I would rather take a step of faith, step out and do something and be wrong than I would to never step out because I'm afraid I might be wrong. It takes faith to step out. Of course it does. Of course it takes faith to lay your hands on somebody and pray for healing Of course, it takes faith to give a word in tongues and interpretation. Of course, it takes faith to prophesy. Of course, it takes takes faith to step out and do anything for God. But I would rather fail moving forward than fail while I'm stale. Do you understand what I mean? I would rather fail forward than I would fail stale. I don't want to miss it because I didn't do anything. I want to miss it if I have to miss it. I want to miss it because I tried to do something for God, but somehow I missed it and get the correction so I can do it right the next time. When the Holy Ghost leads me, I'll do it right the next time. I want correction. Wise people want correction because they know correction is the most valuable thing you can get because correction brings perfection. Hallelujah. Put it in the comments section. Correction brings perfection. We're we're, we're being moved to the perfection of Christ. Jesus said it, be ye perfect even as your father is perfect. This word is a correction to my life. This word cuts things off that are not supposed to be there and adds things in that are supposed to be there. I'd rather fail forward than fail stale. Correction brings perfection. Put it in the comments. A wise person seeks out correction. Think about that. A wise person seeks out correction. I want to be corrected. If I ever do something and I have people who I really respect their opinion, respect who they are in my life, I'll let them see something I've done. I'll let them hear something I've done, experience it. And then I'll tell you, I'll I'll ask them because I don't want to hear the good things. I'll say, what did you hate about that? Tell me what you just absolutely hated, what you thought was absolutely wrong. I want to know those things. I don't want yes men in my life that keep me in a place where I think I'm greater than I am. Then I get this opinion of my that I'm more high, I think more highly of myself than I ought to. I don't want that. I don't want that in my life. I want people around me that if I'm off, they'll quickly tell me that I don't know about that what you said. That I wasn't quite, I don't think that was in the Bible. I want that. I want that. Wise people seek out correction. Correction brings perfection. I don't want yes men. I want people that by love and by faith, people that will call me out if I'm wrong. And I tell people, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. If it's something I'm writing, something I'm designing, something I'm preaching, I will I will say to people, tell me what you didn't like about that. Tell me what you hated. What struck you wrong? Anything? Anything strike you wrong about that? And then I listen to what they have to say and weigh what they say. I weigh it. I get introspective. Hmm. And I have people that I trust. I don't ask everybody those things. You don't ask everybody those things. Because you got some people that just want to criticize you for the sake of criticizing you. <laughs> don't ask them. I'll tell you this. And this is one of the greatest quotes I ever heard. Never take criticism from people you wouldn't ask for advice. <laughs> That's a great word, man. Never take criticism from people you wouldn't, from whom you wouldn't ask advice. Think about that for a second. And if you would, put it in the comments because it needs to be heard. Never take criticism from people from whom you wouldn't ask for advice. Very important. I don't need that. And I don't want a form of godliness that denies the power. I don't. And so what am I teaching today? There's a certain type of person that refuses to change and refuses the things Paul taught that he prophesied would come to pass. I don't want to tie myself in with those people. I've got no desire to link myself up with prideful Christians, arrogant Christians, slanderous Christians. I pray God forgives them. I pray they get their life on the right track. I pray I see them in heaven. I don't want to link myself up with them. I don't want to link myself up with racist Christians, slanderous, racist, evil, brutal Christians. I don't want it. People who have a form of godliness, but deny his power. That's why I don't spend my time making friendships within the Southern Baptist Convention or the Presbyterian Reformed Church, because I don't care what you think about the Holy Spirit if you're a cessationist, if you don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't care what you think about it, and I don't want a fellowship with you. If I see you in heaven, praise God, but I don't want people that have a form of godliness but deny his power. I've got no desire to spend time with you, none. And if you make it to heaven, I'm praising God. But on the earth, I've got work to do. I've got a job to do. I've got an agenda to carry out for the Lord. And I don't have time to sit around debating whether or not the Holy Spirit ceased in his functionality after the last apostle died before I go and do my work. I've got to just focus on my work and let God use me to do it. Debate somebody else. I don't have time to connect with all that junk. And I understand the, the, the arguments of it. It's not because I don't understand it. It's not because I don't have a mind to debate somebody. I've got plenty of intelligence to debate whoever wants to debate. I don't have time to debate. I've got work to do for the Lord and so do you. Don't link yourself up with people that have a form of godliness and deny his power. If you think that this generation is a generation that doesn't need the power of God, then by all means, go have at it. But you can look around as well as I can and see that if we ever needed the gifts of the Spirit, we need them now. If we ever needed miracles, signs, and wonders, we need them now. If we ever needed the baptism in the Holy Ghost, we need it now. There has never been more of a time that we've needed the power of God than now. And so I don't have time to debate with people that say, well, that stuff doesn't, when the New Testament was finished and the covenant of the, of the, of the canon of scripture was completed and the last apostle passed away and the church was established. That's when the Holy Ghost stopped moving. Oh, really? Well, good luck with that. Good luck with all that. But I don't have time to hang with you. I don't have time to team up with you because I've got work to do for the Lord. And we've already seen him moving. We've already seen him moving. So I'm going to pray for you today because it's time for us to really evaluate what we're doing. What are we doing? There's people the devil will send right into your life to suck your peace out of your head to get you frustrated. If, you have a, if you've got relationships in your life with people that every time you leave a meeting from that relationship, you feel like you need a shower or you need to take a four hour nap because they wear you out. It's time to recognize what's going on. They probably fall into one of those categories. And that's why it's wearing you out. And it's, you know, be big enough to cut people off like the Bible says to do. Be big enough to cut, avoid them at all costs, the Bible says. In another place, Paul said, don't even eat with people like that. Don't even eat with them. So don't even go out to eat. Don't even go for coffee. Just let them go. Let them go. Let them go. (laughs) Siska, if that's your parent, you honor them. You love them. You honor them. But there comes a time that there's going to be a separation or a boundary marker That you don't let them speak into your life on those things and you don't want, you just have to have a conversation where you say, I love you, I honor you, but I don't want to hear your opinion on these things. I don't really care about your opinion. I honor you as a person. I love you as a person, but I don't want to have conversations with you about this subject because I don't feel the same way as you do and I don't want there to be friction between us in this relationship. That's what you do. That's what you do. You don't cut your parents out of your life and you don't stop honoring your family members, but... Yeah, and and Pastor Kim said, and the older you get, the easier that is, and I totally agree because you have less and less of a stomach for it, and as you get older, you do realize that your family begins to consume you. There's a pulling away from that, and you have more about your your family to deal with, and it does become much easier, but the boundaries have to be there or else you're always going to have friction with relationships and friction with your family, and you don't want that. You don't want to resent your parents or resent your sister and brother or your children or grandchildren. You don't want that. So you just stay focused on what God's called you to do and have an honest conversation and say in love and in respect with gentleness, the Bible says, I just don't want to discuss these things with you anymore because it always ends up in frustration or a fight and I don't want there to be friction. I want to love you. I want to have fun with you. I want to enjoy my time around you. And you keep them in your life. You want your parents. You, wanna, you want to honor them and have a long life and see them blessed, you know. But you have to have boundaries because if you don't have them, it'll bring that whole feeling into your household and your whole family will feel it. Your husband, your wife, your children. Everybody will feel that frustration. And you don't want it. But I'm going to pray for you because understand this. The power of the Holy Ghost is more needed now than ever before. Don't even eat with such a one. 1 Corinthians 5. Thank you, Ariana. Verse 11. Andrew said, I guess I'll keep my mother in law around. So funny. But I want to pray because God's going to use you in a mighty way. You're the elite that I'm preaching to. I'm talking to the Victory Tribe today. People that have a maturity in the spirit to say, we need the power of God in this generation. I refuse to let these little things that creep up and become big things destroy my life, destroy my witness, destroy my ability to work for God because somehow I I allowed racism or partiality to creep in my spirit. Love of self love of money, slander of others. I'm not gonna allow those things. And I'm gonna step up in the power of God and press into the Holy Ghost and let God use me before it's too late because Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. So I want you to pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person that's watching, every person that's listening on the podcast, praying for the victory tribe. God, empower us today. Let every one of these things, if any of them, If any of these things are seen in our spirits or in our lives, by the wonderful power of your spirit, burn them out today. Burn them out today. Any wrong thinking, any wrong feeling, any wrong action, burn it out today. Take it out by the sword of your word that pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Father, do that for us today. Add to us what you want to be in our lives by impartation. And I pray that you'd give us the boldness and the strength to say no when it's time to say no to sever relationships that are destructive and that are bringing stress and that are bringing anxiety and that are bringing pain. But let us be a witness in this generation in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare our husbands and wives will serve the Lord. Our children will serve the Lord. Our grandchildren will serve the Lord. And these will be the greatest days, the final seven Seven months of 2020 will be the greatest days we've ever seen in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Not greater than the first half of this year, but greater than the end of any year we've ever had in Jesus' name. For never-ending increase is our story. It is our portion. It is your plan for our lives. So we thank you. And we give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' mighty name for your goodness. And if you believe it, somebody shout aloud amen. Throw some fire in the comment section. Let me know you believe it today and that it is done for you in Jesus' wonderful name. And then I want you, you know what? Can I say thank you? We've had so many people in the last two, three months that are standing up with Carolyn and with me, partnering with this ministry. I want to say thank you. I've got to stop to say that because you guys are a blessing, an amazing blessing in the kingdom of God. I wanna commend you today because so many people have joined us believing for a generation to be shaken before it's too late, and they are being shaken. And some big things are on the very near horizon. I'm talking about within months, not years, not a decade. I'm talking about around the corner. I can't wait to share it with you, but you're a part of it by your faith and by your sowing. But here's the call for those of you today that are watching. I'm asking you to pray and say, Lord, am I to be one of those that are connected to the Victory Tribe that stand in monthly partnership, sowing seed to see a generation change before it's too late. We've prayed, Carolyn and I, we've asked the Lord and he's answering our prayer. You are an answer to prayer. If nobody's ever told you that, let me be the first person to tell it to you. You are an answer to prayer and your obedience to the kingdom means you're answering our prayers and God is using you to be a blessing to your generation. Let me ask you, would you consider today praying and saying, Lord, what is it that you'd have me to sow on a monthly basis to Miracle Word Ministries to see this harvest reached, to see the poor fed and clothed, to see this world shaken, the power of God going out, touching people who need healing? What is it that God would anoint you to do? Everybody is at a different level, and I totally get that. I know that not everybody can sow a hundred dollars a month or five hundred dollars a month, but everybody has the ability to do something. And so the question today is this: What can you do on a monthly basis by faith, saying, "Lord, use me to be a part of this end time harvest. Use me." to see souls saved. Use me to see people healed. Here's what I want you to do. If the Lord's leading you in that direction today, and I pray that he is, because time's running out, go to miracleword.com and click on either the Give tab or the Partner tab and set something up monthly that you would stand with and say, you know what? I'm believing. There might be people that are saying, I'll partner with you at the $85 a month. That's a meal. That's, you know, a cell phone bill, it's a cable bill, whatever. There's people that say, you know what? I'll stand with you at $100 a month, $250 a month. There's some that you could sow largely. Sow 1000 thousand, two thousand, five thousand, 2000 5000 whatever it might be. But whatever it is, there might be people watching me that say at this time, I can really only stand with you at $50 or $30 a month. But do what you can. Do what you can and do what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. And this is important because I'm telling you more than ever before. I can look and see. I told somebody yesterday, I said, you know what the main problem with many Christians is? They've taken their fingers off of the pulse of society and off of the pulse of the world. They get into a Christian bubble and they think, well, everything's just wonderful and hunky-dory and it's just great. the, The grass is growing, the flowers are blooming, and they forget there's a hurting, dying world. And when we take our fingers off of the pulse of society, we forget there's hurting people. There's addicted people. There are broken people. There are dying people. There are people that are on their way to hell and they need what we have. And so we'll never take our fingers off the pulse of society. We know that there are people who are on their way to hell, many sick, many diseased, many addicted, many broken, and God's called us. You and I together are doing what the Lord's asked us to do in this generation. We are teamed up as the family of God. And so let me encourage you today to stand with us. For everybody that's sowing $85 or more, my friend has been so generous and so kind to allow me to do this, Pastor Alan Meshagan. We're gonna send you his book, "Air of Power, uh, this month, the month of May. For everybody that's sowing $85 or more in this month of May, and then of course for everybody, That's standing with us at $1,000 or more uh, this month. The Genuine Leather Edition, Life Application Study Bible, phenomenal resource, as well as the hardcover Further Faster books with a dust jacket will be here tomorrow. I'm sending them out, signing them. They're coming to you. Limited edition. I've been waiting for this. I can't wait to get it into your hands. I'm so happy and so excited. The brand new book, Further Faster, in the hardcover Limited edition. It's coming to you from me as a way of saying thank you. I love you guys so very much and I appreciate you so very much. By the way, if you didn't know, there's all kinds of brand new shirts available for your kids in the Miracle Word store. Shop.MiracleWord.com. All different kinds. There's three different shirts, all different sizes that you can get for the summer edition. These are phenomenal. Super soft. They look great. I love them. I love them. They're all available at shop.miracleword.com. And then let me give you, of course, we have the tumblers for your kids as well. If you want to get those as well. Let me just say this though. These were a limited edition. They're almost gone. The nonstop mom coffee mugs. When these are gone, they're gone for good. Limited edition. We're not getting more. We've already sold out of two orders. We're on the final one. When it's gone, it's gone. And these mugs will not be coming back. So get them while they last. Get them while they last. And uh, today, listen, if you did not get a chance to share that broadcast today, can I encourage you to share it? Because, you know, a lot of times I never know what the Holy Spirit's going to say, but I want uh, people to hear what was said today, because when the Holy Spirit leads us to go in a direction, we just go, we just go. But. It's important people hear this. With everything that's going on right now, with everything that's happening, this is something that needs to be heard. And so, if you didn't get a chance to share it, let me ask you to share it. Um, It's very important. Love you too, Mike. Love you, Norman. Christina, love you. Thanks for sewing today, guys. I really appreciate it. We love you. Um, Will the book be on CD? Dave... You're asking about if the audio book will be on CD for your truck. Um, I'm not sure if it, I I guess we could, once it's recorded, put it on CD as well and give it to you, but it's going to be available through audible.com. So it'll be available on your phone, be available also on your, on your tablet. So if you, if you're traveling with your phone in the truck, you can always plug the phone into the system if you can. If not, we'll work on getting it to CD for you. Thank you, Winona. Really, really appreciate you partnering with us very, very much. We love and appreciate you, too. I love you guys. I'll be back again tonight. We'll be live 9 o'clock p.m. It's going to be a great night. Have a phenomenal day. I love you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.